0: Awesome. Fantastic. Ooh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, feel free to say anything apart from questions, you know. <laughs> Speak to me at the end about Cool. So, we are in our third week of our series of pursuing holiness, which I think has been really, really great. And for me personally, um, it's just really, really good to sort of have lots of days when I'm thinking about my sermon. So, obviously, like for the weeks leading up to it, I'm kind of thinking about it most days. And that's kind of how I end up preaching you. Really. so it's been really good for me and God's taught me a lot through it as well so as I stand here know that obviously I am in no way more holy than anybody else okay so <clears throat> I'm just going to do a bit of a recap over the last two weeks we have learned that the Hebrew word for holy can anybody remember what it was go and shout it out Kadosh. Kadosh. remember that guy <laughs> that video it's great but hopefully that helped us all remember it and that's the Hebrew for holy. And um, we also kind of learned, didn't we, that being holy and the definition of holy is not just set apart from sort of wrongdoing, but it's also, can you keep, do a slide, thanks. It's not only to be set apart from wrongdoing in our life, but also to be free to participate in the unique qualities of God. That's what holiness Is really because it's the character that describes God. That we, through Jesus, can be free to participate in the power, in the love and in the beauty of God. And hopefully that will inspire us and pull us towards holiness when we have a choice in life. That we want to be that person. We want to be a holy representative of Jesus on the earth. And we also, last week, talked a bit about how there's a difference between our positional holiness and also our behavioral holiness. So when we become Christians, when Jesus sets us free from sin, as we sung about, um, actually we become holy. When Jesus touches our lives, when the Holy Spirit moves into our house, into our lives, we become holy Do you remember that video I showed in the first week where in the Old Testament people had had to do cleansing stuff to become holy, to become in the presence of God? But Jesus powerfully reverses this. That Jesus isn't polluted by our presence. Actually, he reverses it and he touches us. He makes us holy through nothing that we've done. And that's complete grace. I love this verse in Ephesians 1 3. Next slide. Even before he made the world, which Tarzan said this earlier, God loved us and chose us to be in Christ, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before he made the world, before the foundations of the world, he knew you and he chose you and he wants you to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's his mission for you. That's his mission for his life. Not so that you're not doing wrong things, and like a teacher, you're ticking stuff off, but so that you can enter the full relationship with him, so you can enter the full glory, the full beauty, the full power, the love, the goodness that he's got waiting for you. But he can't give it to you because your life's full of the rubbish. But he wants to replace that with all these amazing gifts he's got for you. And This is his mission, this is his heartbeat for our lives, and this should be what we want for our lives, yeah? Do we want that for our lives? Come on, great. And so today we're going to be looking at how we need to look at Jesus as the example, as the blueprint of how to live a holy life in human form. Because obviously God is beyond our comprehension, isn't he? But God sent Jesus, his own son, a man that lived without sin, To give us that example. So, in that way, Jesus, how did Jesus always speak? What did he do when he was teaching people? Told parables. So, I'm going to tell you a parable of the brilliant architect. So, once there was a world renowned architect, he built the most beautiful, exclusive homes for people. They were all unique all individual, according to that person's strengths, talents, and tastes. He didn't work alone. It was a family business. His son was um, the interior designer. So the architect would build the actual structure, and the interior designer would make it absolutely stunning. Don't know about you, but I love DIY SOS and all those programs. (laughs) It's great. And then his cousin was the actual constructor, the builder the person that made all these houses become a reality in reality in the ground so once this family business made a beautiful house for this guy called Steve but over the years cuz Steve had a bit of a problem you see he was a hoarder so he used to hoard all of this stuff and never used to throw anything away and all this rubbish would just be in his was just basically littering his whole house and it was starting to smell as well. It was smelly, there was rotting food. There were rooms that were piled high of rubbish. It was actually quite dangerous on the stairs. There was like litter and plastic bags and empty stuff everywhere. And everything was, and quite a lot of stuff was broken as well, so the lights didn't work and the radiator was broken and there was a broken window. But kind of Steve had kind of got used to It really, you know how like over light. Sometimes you can't see things anymore. The more you live with stuff, yeah, it's kind of happened for Steve. Couldn't really see the rubbish. Couldn't really smell it anymore. Just kind of got used to it. Apart from like sometimes when he got up in the middle of the night and tripped over a massive box of rubbish to go to the bathroom. (laughs) then one day, a friend of his actually found an, a magazine article which was all about this architect and his firm. And, these, and it kind of showed photos of beautiful interiors of these other houses that the architect and his firm had built. And Steve kind of thought, oh, kind of planted a bit of a seed really. just thought, do you know, my house could probably look like that. But he knew he couldn't do it on his own. So, at the bottom of the article, there was this email address of this firm, so we just thought, Do you know what, I'm just going to write an email, send it into the ether, ask for a bit of help, just see what happens. So we did that, and nothing. And he soon forgot about it, because nothing really happened in the next few weeks. But then a few weeks later, there was a bit of a knock at the door. <coughs> kind of didn't really hear it properly, because, you know, they had the sort of, all the stuff in his house kind of muffled the sound. But then every day, for about two weeks, there was this... And in the end, he thought, right, I'm going to go and see who it is. So he opens the door, onto the latch, he kind of peers out, because, you know, he doesn't really trust anyone, doesn't really want anyone to see inside his house, because he's kind of really embarrassed about it. He's ashamed. And the guy at the door says, oh, hi, you sent an email to um, the architect's firm, and I'm actually the architect's son. I'm the interior designer. that actually created your house that designed the interior um, and you said you wanted a bit of help so I've got some really great news for you me and the original constructor the builder can actually help you restore your house back to its former beauty for free so Steve was like oh my goodness this sounds pretty amazing but how embarrassing is that I've got to let the man the only person that actually knows what it should look like into my house and see all this rubbish? Like, that's like, I'm not sure I can do that. So we sort of stood at the door, and the guy was really kind, and he could just tell that this guy wanted the best for him, really, and he really wanted to help. So we kind of like, okay, okay, yeah, come on in. So the interior designer came in, sort of cleared a bit of space on the sofa, sat down, and the interior designer said, look, you know we can work together to bring this house back to its former glory there's a bit of a condition first of all you've got to see that you've actually got some rubbish in this house because obviously if you don't see anyth- if you don't see it then there's not a lot we can do together because i won't ever force we won't force you to get rid of stuff you don't want to get rid of okay and the other thing is it's good news but the, the actual constructor has to live on site so they ha- so he's going to have to move into your house help you. So do you agree to commit to the process of clearing the rubbish out of your house? And do you also agree for the constructor to move in? So Steve kind of thought, do you know what? Unless I do this, nothing is going to change. And actually, I could have a completely different house and a completely different life. So he said yes. So the constructor moved in. And the first thing he did was fix the lighting because it was all broken so they could actually see what was going on, they could see what the rubbish was, they could see what needed to be just restored and not thrown away. And But the builder, so over the years they worked together to get rid of some of that rubbish and that clutter, to restore some of the amazing furniture that was there already, to, to get things that were rubbish to be taken away. So over the years, they made slow and steady progress, and the house began to be reformed and restored. But the constructor always worked together with Steve. He would never throw things away that Steve didn't want to. And Steve quite often just couldn't help himself. But it was just like, no, actually, I don't want to get rid of that. I don't really think that is rubbish. I think, that's, I, think I need that and so the constructor worked with him slowly and steadily but in the end they progressed so that's my parable of the brilliant architect <laughs> i'm sure lots of you <laughs> i'm sure lots of you have kind of gathered this oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah see that <laughs> but basically this is what this is about obviously the architect is god He created you, he knew you, he designed you right from the beginning of the world. In Psalm 139, a favourite for many, it says, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knitted you together in your mother's womb. But the trouble is we all collect sin. We collect rubbish through our lives, stuff we do and we say wrong. We let bitterness and anger take root when we don't forgive people from past hurts and pains. Romans 3, 23, famous verse says, we have all sinned, we've all got rubbish in our lives, and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But quite often we don't see the rubbish in our own lives because we have got used to it. And maybe we've never really known what our house should look like, so we've got nothing really to compare it against. But then one day, maybe we catch a glimpse. We see somebody else's house, somebody else's life, and we think, oh yeah, I think they might have something that I don't have. Was, that was true for Matt, my husband. He saw me in worship and thought, I don't think I've got that. He caught a little glimpse of God. He caught a little glimpse of that. So then we might send up a prayer or an email into the ether to ask for help. We think nothing's happened, but actually, the son, the interior designer, Jesus, is knocking at the door of your heart. In Revelations 3.20, it says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door. I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. And when we let Jesus in, we recognize the rubbish in our lives and we commit to that process of restoring it. That's repentance. And then we, let, we work with the Holy Spirit so that our life begins to resemble everything that was intended to be. One that is free of rubbish. One that's restored one that starts to get beautiful things, the love, the power, and the beauty of God instead. But Jesus knows we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, which also, in other translations, translates as helper, comforter, counselor, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. And in 1 Corinthians 3, it says, Do you not know that you are a house of God and the Holy Spirit lives in you? How amazing. I mean, what an offer. We get the original constructor to help us clear all the rubbish out, to highlight things that really need to go. So, then begins the hard work. We are saved. We are made holy. As soon as Jesus and the Holy Spirit walks into our house, That's our position in God. But then begins the hard work of behavioral holiness, where our behavior needs to match up with our position. Remember we talked about when God set things apart, different behavior follows. So how are we going to do this? The two things we need to do is we need to commit to work with the Holy Spirit. And we need to look at the original blueprint, the original photos, the original manuscript. We need to look at the Bible to see what a holy... Life looks like, and we need to look at Jesus to see what that holy life should look like. So, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. So, the good thing is, the Holy Spirit is desperate for us. It's his mission in life is to restore our lives, to restore our house. And the first thing he does is, to, when he moves in, is to fix the lighting. Have you ever had those moments when you became a Christian or even continually when you suddenly see something for what it is? You have that revelation, don't you, of like, oh, oops. (laughs) All this time I've been thinking that's okay and actually it's not. Because we've got a new light, we can see things differently. The Holy Spirit illuminates stuff dirty pile of rubbish in the corner that we thought was we've ignored and we thought was fine actually God sometimes shines a spotlight on that and says actually that's rubbish that needs to go doesn't it and we know that all the time in our promptings you know those feelings you get a little prompt a little thought that comes into your head maybe it's to do something good that's your conscience that's the that's the Holy Spirit in you saying let's get rid of that let's deal with that let's not say that Let's swallow that, even though we could react. Let's not react. We need to listen and we need to act. But the Holy Spirit, just like good declutterers, they won't overrule us. They will respect us. The Holy Spirit respects us. He won't come storming in and just do the job. I mean, he is a lot more patient than we are. <laughs> You'd just be like, no, oh, seriously, give me the bag. <laughs> But he doesn't do that because he knows that's not a change, is it? That's not a real change. You know, the person has to, we have to agree. We have to want to get rid of it because we're the ones that are going to follow through that. Otherwise, we'll just bring it back. (laughs) We'll just bring it back in, won't we? The Holy Spirit will always respect us. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Or in another version, don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to do all this stuff. But he won't do it without your permission so let's not stifle what he's doing he's, it's like he's on a wave he wants to do this stuff and we've just got to go along with the ride we've got to agree with him and trust him that he knows what he's doing It's we don't have to think of it all ourselves He knows what it he knows what Jesus's life in us looks like He knows what the original blueprint was He was there at the beginning of the creation of God he knows he knows it he knows the plans we've just got to go along with it and agree with him and do what he says. I'm just going to play you a bit of a short clip now from Britain's Worst Hoarders, which I was watching, I watched the whole thing for this and I was just like, ah! I didn't know how much to show you, but I've just picked out this little two-minute clip. If we can sort of make that happen. There's a lot,
1: a lot of stuff. But I think the main thing is to find out what he really wants to keep. And it's really important that they feel Mm. as though they're in charge because it's their stuff and it's their house and it's their decisions.
0: There's so much food everywhere. What is this April last year it must be? It's awful.
1: This is just what makes it smell so bad in here. These
0: it's really dangerous because there's a lot of out-of-date food and paper and there's plastic bags all up and down the stairs. It's A wonder that he hasn't fallen down these stairs and broken his neck. Heather and I start to make progress, but we soon hit a problem.
1: What's happened is that I've found one or two things which they've thrown out, but when you actually check it out, you find there are one or two important things. Right, I've brought a few things up. you wanted to keep Mm. Um, but I'd just like to ask you why you wanted to keep the stuff if you can let me just sort of for example the stuff that's a bit moldy like this always I I just say it saves the jars right (laughs) okay and this is just in date but still really and there's another tin that really is, I think it, I think they're dangerous, Richard. I know you like kidney beans. I mean, this tin of kidney beans looks grotty, but in actual fact, the bottom of the can is perfectly all right. They look dangerous, that's my point. That's why I threw them away. Yes, but... I think that's got to be my decision as to whether I'm going to throw away money that I've spent on food. Obviously, if it's deteriorated inside, then out it goes. But you can't see botulism, or smell it, or detect it, and that's what you get from rusty tins?
0: I once, at my late... Ah, just throw (laughs) it away! Yeah, so that's kind of the point, isn't it? It's like, there's stuff that we can think is valuable, but actually is dangerous. It's not good for our lives, it's not good for us. Like that tin that's rusted, you know, that's got potentially botulism and stuff in it. You know, it's the same for us, isn't it? This sin in our lives that we kind of really want to hold on to because actually it makes us feel good in that moment to lose our temper. You know, when you just don't have self-control and you just think, yeah, I'm just going to let myself go. I'm going to do it, you know, and there is a little moment, I mean, it's only a little second, isn't it, half a second, but you do have a choice to know how to react, and you kind of think, yeah, I'm just going to let myself react, and then before you know it, you've done something that's harmful to yourself, to people around you, so when the Holy Spirit points stuff out to us, our job is to say yes to him, is to say, yeah, I agree, let's get rid of it. Do we want to, we've got to make a choice when the Holy Spirit holds up the can of anger. Do we say, yeah, actually, I want to keep a hold of that. I'm going to react like that. What about my unforgiveness? They don't deserve to be forgiven. Yeah, but we need to forgive, otherwise there's bitterness. There's anger that happens in our life that's dangerous. Our rage, our lies, twisting the truth, deceiving people. It might be easier to hold on to it, but actually it's rubbish, it's dangerous for us, it's dangerous for people around us. We need to see it for what it is, that it actually stinks. You know, it's not funny, it's not big and it's not clever, you know, which we can get lured into, can't we? In the media it's all a bit naughty and funny and and it's actually, no it's not, it's just horrible. You know, when we talk about people behind their back, when we twist the truth to make ourselves look better. In that moment, it's easier because we don't have to deal with the fact that we've probably done something wrong as well. But actually, it affects us. It affects others. We need to get rid of that stuff. And the more we resist the Holy Spirit, the longer the job becomes. There was another clip with this other guy, Alan. Um, his whole garden was full of it as well, and every single piece of paper he was like had to look at, and you're just like, oh, this is going to take forever, you know. And that that's kind of the same for us, isn't it? The more the quicker we agree, the quicker we get things done. The the more humble we are, yeah, I can see that that's wrong. Yep, yeah, let's get rid of that. The quicker our lives are going to become more holy and be able to be full of the beauty. I'm going to read the verse that Matt read last week as well because I think it's good to repeat things. Colossians 3, put to death therefore, i.e. get rid of this rubbish that belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed which is idolatry. Because of these the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with this practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So the thing is, when we fill our minds and our hearts with that stuff, there's not room for to move, there's not room to decorate, there's not room to fix stuff, there's not room to make the house beautiful. We've all got a choice in our daily life to either fill our life with annoyance, irritation, anger, just upset, instead of the beautiful things that God wants to paint our lives with. Compassion, love, gentleness, patience. We've got that choice. I'll give you a bit of a, an example, because <laughs> I, I got up early and did a bit of this before work. And then I had to go and pick up some. So I work for Bradford Central Food Bank, which is hosted by the church, which is awesome. Thanks to all my volunteers. Big shout out. Woohoo, it's great. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so basically I had to go and pick up this food from this company. So I've tried to get quite a lot of big companies across Bradford to have bar- food baskets, collections in their foyers and canteens and stuff, which is really great. So I went to this one place and I'd already been before and the la- I'd already told the lady before that it would be really great if she could like bring the food to reception so I could literally just like nip in, get it, nip out again. Because it's only because it happens to be in Shipley that I kind of agreed to do it on my weighing because otherwise I knew I didn't want to be spending my time like weighing around, blah, blah, blah. So last time I went, she hadn't done that, so I had to go all the way upstairs and we'll get it all and all this, which was kind of fine, but this time I was like, oh, it'd be really amazing if you could just leave at reception, it'd be so much quicker. <laughs> so I turned off at reception, had to wait in a bit of a queue, got to the queue, guy said, oh, no, it's not here. I'm like, Ugh. and then he had to deal with all these other people, and then he didn't ring up to the lady to tell her that I was here. So then, then he rang up to the lady to tell her I was here, so then he ran up to the lady, she's always, she's going to take a little bit of time getting down. I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know, and you're just like, oh, seriously, <laughs> I've told you this twice before already. This is really annoying now. I'm actually quite impatient. And actually, do not know, my time is actually quite important. I've got other things I need to be doing right now. Come on. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't say any of that. My face was like this lovely. uh <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought, right, at that moment, I thought, right, I'm going to go to the car and get my computer. I can't be sitting around, like, not doing anything. <laughs> it drives me mad. Um, so I did that, and then I just suddenly thought, oh, I wonder if she's like, because I was a bit late as well. But I didn't really think that would matter because, you know, it was, she was just leaving at reception. But then I sort of thought, oh, I started to think a bit about my sermon. I was like, oh, this is good. God always does that, doesn't he, you know? So then I was like, right, Okay oh, maybe she's already been down. So I said to the guy in reception, has she already, like, been down? He was like, yeah, yeah, she already came down earlier when you said I was like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, so then I start to think, okay, sermon, compassion, love, all of that. So I'm like, oh, right, actually, she's already been down with the food. That's kind of like a bit of a pain for her. So she obviously came down with all the food, lugged it down, and then lugged it all the way back up again. Now I'm making her lug it all back down again. So then I start to think, ooh, oops, Compassion okay, love, that's a bummer for her. I've put her out. So then I started to fill my mind with, instead of impatience and pride and all that other stuff, I started to fill my mind with love and grace and compassion for her. So when she came down, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, you had to come down and bring all that. And she's like, oh, it's okay. I was like, how have you been? And she's like, oh, actually, I had a really rubbish Christmas. And we had this whole conversation. But I wouldn't have had that whole conversation with her because if I'd have just let my mind, and you see, like, we get those opportunities every single day, every minute of the day, it can be quite tiring, I mean, seriously, if we're up for this, it's literally all the time, isn't it? Like, every single interaction, we can choose to, like, to fill our mind with love and grace and compassion, or to fill our mind with impatience, annoyance, rage, anger, lies, malice. We've got that choice to fill our minds and our hearts and our lies, and the two can't quite coexist at the same time, can they? We've got to get rid of one to let the other in. Do you get that? Yeah. So, and the hardest thing as well is usually it's the people around us that, affect, that is affected the most by our rubbish, isn't it? So like, there was this other guy on the video, very similar to that, but had a wife, bless her. They'd obviously been married for like 30 years and she just lived with it for 30 years. I'm like, oh my goodness. How? And bless her, she's like, this is awful. And they brought up kids in that house and everything. And you're just like, oh, how is she seriously put up with his rubbish for that long? Like, seriously. You know, and she's being really gracious. But that's how it is, isn't it? The people that live closest to us are actually in our, wor- you know, in our house a lot. They're the people that rub up against our rubbish. And we rub up against their rubbish. But it affects our rubbish affects those closest to us the most, doesn't it? In our relationships. So the more beautiful we make our lives the easier it is. I mean, we have choices all the time. Like, literally, the other day, Matt said something. It's annoying. You know, something about how the house needed hoovering, and then I immediately think, well, I think he's blaming me for not having hoovered. Then I'm thinking, well, yeah, but you left the kitchen, like, untidy the other day. Yeah. Which I really tried not to say anything, because I'm doing my sermon. So I didn't say anything then, but now I'm going to say it, because you've provoked me. That's right. (laughs) And then you end up having that, and it's like, oh, seriously? Do I want to fill my life with, you know, whereas actually if I'd have been gracious in that moment, I would have swallowed that. Do you see what I mean? It's like all the time, isn't it? But this is what we're called to do, pursuing holiness every day, every hour, every minute. Oh, but God will give us a strength. The Holy Spirit will give us the strength to do it. So, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, that's who you are, that's your, per- your position, and dearly loved You don't have to do any of this. This is not about earning anything. This is about being holy already, being dearly loved, but letting our lives live up to that. Clothe yourselves. Fill your house with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. Bear with one another. Bear with your husband. Bear with your wife. Bear with each other. We're all imperfect. We're all on this journey. We're all going to mess up. We're all not going to say the perfect thing. We're all going to react wrongly. Do we have grace for the other person or do we just have grace for ourselves? Oh, well, I'm in a really bad mood. I'm a bit tired now. I? No wonder I reacted. You know, do we have that same grace for the other one? Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these per- virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Colossians 3. Once there's a bit of room in our house, we can start putting up the beautiful lighting. It's exciting when you get a new house, isn't it? Sarah and Dan, I love your new house, it's beautiful. But it's so much space because it's all new, it's like this fresh canvas. And they're just gradually putting up all these new, beautiful things they got from their wedding. And it's great, isn't it? and the adventure begins. (laughs) Because there's space, there's room in our lives, so we can start redecorating, we can start painting the walls of our life with compassion. We can start putting up new lighting, and we can fix the radiator, so our house is one of warmth and brightness and light, and good things. So when we invite people into our life, it's a blessing. And not actually like, yeah, I really don't want to come, you know. Let's make our lives a blessing, one that fills other people with light, other people with warmth when they interact with us. And this is the holiness part, isn't it? Yes, to kick out the rubbish, but then to fill our lives with the unique qualities of God, the transcendent qualities of beauty, of power, and of love. And always looking at the architect's original plans of how it should be, going back to the Bible, looking at the life of Jesus. Because Jesus showed us what a perfect holy life in human form looks like. So we need to look at him. He was the visible image of the invisible God. He radiated God's own glory. Amazing. The sun radiates God's own glory. That's our goal, to radiate God's own glory and express the very character of God. That's that's the gold standard, everyone. Radiating God's glory and expressing the very character of God. We can't quite do the next bit. And sustaining everything by the mighty power of his command. He was holy, fully man, fully God, without sin, perfectly holy. God made him who had no sin, be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the dream, that's the goal, that's the mission for us to become the righteousness of God. That's why He did it. We need to chuck, we need to look at Jesus to know what to chuck out, what to restore, and what to fill our lives with. He is the blueprint, he's the model. In Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let us chuck away everything that is rubbish, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and lands our face in the dirt. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this how? How? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Amen. We need to be constantly, continually asking, how would Jesus have reacted to that? What would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus say to that person? For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Even if it means a small dent in your pride that you couldn't quite justify your actions to that person. It's the little things that trip us up, isn't it, quite often. He is your example, and you must follow in his footsteps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he, was suff- when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God. How difficult is that? We want to justify ourselves, don't we? We want to explain in great detail why we did something (laughs) and why we are right, actually, and why we should be offended. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Jesus is our example. We must follow in his footsteps. We need to be dead to sin and live for what is right. Jesus forgave. He never took offense. And I think this is something I've really seen recently, not to say I've been able to do it, but I've seen it. He was so concerned about the person that he was dealing with that he wasn't concerned about himself, was he? We are so often caught up with how we feel when something happens, when, when somebody does something or says something to hurt us. We're we're so, oh, but that hurt me. And we're very self centered in, in, our, in our perspective. Whereas Jesus wasn't concerned about himself, he was always concerned about the person he was dealing with, even when he was on the cross. Even when they were crucifying and torturing him, his concern was not for himself. It was for the people that were crucifying him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He was always looking for their eternal salvation. He was always interested in their journey, so they became more like Jesus. Next time somebody stresses you out, causes you pain, annoys you, judges you, think, okay, God, I'm not going to be concerned about me. I'm purely going to be concerned. This is a big challenge. I'm not saying definitely I haven't done this. But let's not think about ourselves in that and what that means and cause needs for us. Let's think about the other person and what they are experiencing and how we can bring them closer to God through our reaction. He was always loving. He never retaliated. We want to justify ourselves. We want to point out what they've done, and we find it so hard to do. He always trusted his father 100%, even in the most stressful of situations. Even when he was sweating blood with stress in the Garden of Gethsemane, even when his faith was tested, he chose to trust. He left his case in the hands of God. He was humble. He watched the feet of his disciples. He was God and yet gave up everything. All of power and prestige. And actually, he said, whoever wants to be the greatest must be the servant of all. And he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. And actually, it's our pride is the biggest factor in us not being able to clear up our lives. Because we argue about it. We're not humble enough to know that the Holy Spirit and God knows better than we do. They really want us to clean up our lives. But can we see it? Do we humble ourselves and say, yep, that is wrong. Yep, I want to do something about that. Yep, I want to get rid of that. Pride. He walked with love and compassion. He was bold in proclaiming God's kingdom. He prioritized time alone with his father. And he actively sought against injustice and poverty. So let's look again at Colossians 3, which says, Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these are virtues put on love. So maybe you're here today And this is kind of all new to you. Maybe you kind of know that you've got some rubbish in your life. Maybe you're like Steve that's kind of opened the crack of the door a little bit. And you're not sure whether to let Jesus in. You can hear a knock. But there's something in you that wants a better life, that wants to live for Jesus, that knows you've got some rubbish in your life. If that's you today, don't leave from here. We can, together with you, let Open the door and let in the Holy Spirit to begin that restoring work of Jesus. For the rest of us, I just I know we're it's exactly twelve, but is let's just leave a little bit of time. What is God highlighting to you? He will be talking to you now. He will be if you let him. What is God talking to you about? Is it impatience? Is it anger? Is it grace? Is it needing more grace for people? What What is it? And I want us to have a little think now. I don't know if people have got paper and pens and stuff. Great. But I want you to kind of have a little think and then write down on the piece of paper and the pen that are being handed out just that item of rubbish that you think God wants you to clear out of your life. And it won't be immediate. If you write down like impatience, you're not overnight going to get it, but you're going to highlight it and you're going to start clearing it out. And you're going to ask the Holy Spirit to tell you when you're being impatient. And you're going to apologize. And you're going to hopefully prevent it in the future and start a habit of patience. So we're just going to write that down now. And then in a few minutes' time, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And put your rubbish in the rubbish bag. As a first step of clearing out your house. But if you are one of the people that wants to say yes to Jesus today, wants to start the process, I want you to come forward as well. Other people will be coming forward and I want you to come over here where the prayer team will be waiting for you to pray with you. So we're just going to have a few minutes now while we do that.